Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying in the second book of Kings, that's Malachim Bet, chapter 19, that is Perak Yud Tet. Now, um, unfortunately, something went wrong with the recording of, of the first time around that I did this. So this is kind of a um, replacement for the original recording for 19a. Uh, I don't know if I'll do as good a job as I did the first time, but apparently no one will ever know except for God himself because it's lost. It never got recorded. So so here this is 19A, a, a second attempt. Um, thank you for your patience. For those of you that have already went ahead in the podcast and now have to come back to this, but I didn't want to leave this chapter. This is going to be 19A and B. I'm going to uh, dictate again. At 19a, we pick up where the, uh, the kingdom of Judah is, has been ravaged. The cities across the landscape have been destroyed. The army of, of, of Sancherev is, um, the army of Assyria is, is surrounding Jerusalem. And Rav Shakeh, who was the uh, Jewish apostate, who was now an assistant of the uh, king of Assyria had blasphemed God in front of all of the people at the walls, telling them, who are you having faith in? Are you having faith in God? Who's, he's not going to come and save you. We've destroyed the gods of everyone else. What makes you think your God is any better than all the others? And so on. And at this point, the news came back to the king of what had been spoken, the blasphemy of God that had been spoken. And of course, the terrible impact that would have at the morale of the people who are trying to withstand the siege. So this is where we start. It happened when the king Chizkiyo heard, in other words, heard what had happened. By the messengers had, that had heard it came back to give him the report. He tore his clothing, and he covered himself in sackcloth, and he came to the house of God. Now, so here he is, he came. It doesn't say that he went up to the house of God, um, just which is a, a term used later, but this is a term, he came to the house of God. And he sent El Yakim, who was his uh, right-hand man who was in charge of the king's household, and Shevna the scribe, the eight ziknei kohanim and the elders of the priests of the kohanim, mitkasim basakim, they were also covered in sackcloth. El Yishayahu Hanavi ben Amotz, he sent them to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amotz. Yishayahu appears here, um, uh, as we know from the book of Isaiah. We know the parallel of this story, the same story, where, uh, that same events as they are recounted in the book of Isaiah. I refer you to our uh, podcast. Isaiah was the first book of, that we studied together on this podcast to see it from the perspective of Isaiah. Here in this book, we are hearing it from the perspective of the writer of the book of Kings. So he sent a, a delegation to Isaiah, presumably to pray on behalf of the people to rescue them from this siege. love And this... Um, Group, this delegation said to uh, 
to Isaiah as follows. This was the message, Ko Amar This is the message that Chizkiyo gave us to tell you. Yom hayom hazeh. This is an interesting choice of three words. This is a day of tzara, meaning a day of suffering, which is obvious. This is a day of suffering because the people are now, um, um, uh, uh, you know, suffering from from the siege, obviously from hunger, uh, from 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 the siege, right? V'tochecha, which generally of rebuke, right, or or chastisement is sometimes used as a translation of tochacha. So, in other words, and God is criticizing us. He's criticizing us and how we are behaving. So they understood that they needed to repair their behavior. They needed to do something. God was sending them a message. They had to do something. Um, which is a little bit harder to translate. Um, but ni'atza is usually translated as... Um, um, sorry, give me one second of of um of of like not uh, of saying something strong and harsh right so it could be considered of blasphemy right someone is saying things uh, blasphemous towards God would be one way of understanding Ni'atsa. So, number one, it's Torah, we are suffering. Number two, we ourselves are being rebuked and we need to improve. And number three, Ni'atsa, the, the, the blasphemy of God has become rampant and in such a public way, and, 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 and this would be a terrible uh, 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 embarrassment, so to speak, to the, to the obviously, Kaviyocho, that's not something that God actually has, but to the glory of God on this earth. Ayoma said, that's what's happening. His, the children, presumably this means the children of God have come to the birthing stool, but they don't have the strength to give birth. And this gives us the image, the incredibly powerful image of the a pregnant woman who has went through the travails of nine months of pregnancy and carrying the child. The efforts and a tremendous amount of pain and discomfort and incredible amount of, 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 of strength and that it requires for her to get to, to go through the, the process of labor all the way to the time when she's on the birthing stool. And all of that effort and energy that's expended usually, or at least hopefully, will end at least in something happy, in the birth of a healthy child. But but we have gone through all the suffering to the point where we're waiting for that salvation, the salvation of the people from San Cherev, but we don't have the strength to give birth. And the, 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 a lot of people discuss this, and I, I just want to point out that one of the powerful messages here is that the messengers understood that this is something that the people needed strength to do. This is an incredible lesson. Because until now, right, what would the people have done? We need to turn to God. We need to uh, 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 sacrifice. We need to find an idol to worship who's going to save us. They understood deeply inside that it was their koach. They needed the strength. It was tochecha. They needed to understand that they needed to improve. This is a tremendous, tremendous step forward in the understanding of the role of humanity vis-a-vis God. 
However, then they said, we don't know what to do. We don't, we're, we're lost. We need guidance. And then they turned to, to Ishayahu, to Isaiah, and said, Maybe the Lord, your God. <coughs> um, and here they start addressing him in a way that, again, seems to be they're bouncing backward. They're bouncing backward to the days when they look for a prophet to magically manipulate his God, right? The prophet has some sort of a special magic key, right? That maybe he will listen. But what will he listen to? It called the Rav Shokeh. He will hear all of the words of Rav Shokeh, the words of the blasphemy that Rav Shokeh spoke. Asher Ashur Adonav, that his master, the king of Assyria, sent him. Elohim Chai to blaspheme and spread hatred about the living God. Kim Chai is is a message as opposed to those other gods which are not alive. They're just idols. And and um, um, and he will rebuke with words, and maybe God will asher shamad that the Lord your God has heard. and maybe you can pray. You can send up a prayer on behalf of the remainder of the Judean people that are the last of the people which are now remaining uh, stuck behind the walls of Jerusalem at siege. So they ask Ishayahu, maybe you can pray for us. Maybe God will hear and then ta- and take vengeance because he was abused and, and ridiculed by Rav Shakeh. Maybe he will take vengeance on his own behalf. So to some degree, they're understanding that they need to improve. But another degree, they're not understanding. They're asking the prophet to somehow magically make God uh, do something on their behalf. So This is how the servants of the king Chizkiyahu came to Yeshayahu in, in the way that we just read. It's an odd juxtaposition of the psukim. You'd expect this to say beforehand. It's almost as if they came, right, with this request, and then somehow, would he, and they got silence, and then, you know, there was no answer, and then they came again. And then, or that's almost what it sounds like, although the, the simple understanding is the way I said it at first, that it means, and this is how they came. So what was Isaiah's answer? And his answer is fascinating. You came to me, right, to repeat the words of Chizkiyahu, right? right? Remember, they started off by saying, so says Chizkiyahu. Well, this is how you should answer your master Chizkiyahu. <coughs> Chizkiyahu was all afraid about those words. This is what God says. Right? <coughs> Don't be afraid of those words that he spoke. That those young kids that serve the king of Assyria said regarding me, God. Right? That's nothing to worry. Are you worried? That you're worried because Rav Shakeh said bad things about God. That's ridiculous. Right, Sancherev is just a king, right? The person he sent, Rav Shakeh, is just a man. These are just people. Don't listen to those human words. Those human words are useless, meaningless, and nothing. I can easily know Saint. I will place in him a spirit. In other words, he'll change his mind on a whim. He'll hear some piece of news, and he'll go back to his land. 
He's just a man. He changes his mind. He goes here. He goes there. The fact that he said something against me is meaningless. And when he goes back, I'll, I'll have him struck down. He'll be assassinated. Just like all kings. Don't be afraid just because he's a king and just because he says blasphemous things. This is Yeshayahu's answer. What's, what's absolutely mind-blowing here is that Yeshayahu says this, and many understand this to be a, a, um, a prophecy, right? A prophecy that Sancheir will meet his end. I don't understand it that way. I understand it as a lesson that Yeshayahu is teaching them. He's teaching them the lesson. Are you coming here to tell me that you're afraid because of what Rav Shakeh said? You're worried because he blasphemed God? That's ridiculous, right? He's just, he's a nobody. He's a nothing. <coughs> He'll go, every, kings get assassinated. Kings change their minds. Kings go here. Kings go there. Kings, right? Don't worry about God's honor. That's ridiculous, right? God can take care of himself. The king, he's just a king. He'll go, he'll come, he'll get killed. He won't get killed. It's all, it doesn't matter. But even if you look at it as a, as a prophecy, it's, it's astounding that Yeshayahu, and it's, it's glaring here, that Yeshayahu simply did not come with an answer. He didn't tell them that they were going to be saved. This is what's fascinating. He didn't say that I was going to pray to God. He doesn't say that not to worry about Sancherev because the, the people of Jerusalem are going to be saved. He didn't say anything of the sort. He simply said, don't be worried. In other words, you're coming to here. You're, tr you're trying to rates me on, like you'd say in Yiddish. You're trying to stir me on by making me angry because somebody said something bad about my God, so I should be insulted and I should go back to my God and make him perform miracles. That's ridiculous, Yishayahu says. That's ridiculous. I don't get mad because some nar, some young child who happens to serve some what a king of some assyria who cares how powerful he is he's just a guy he's just a king that's won't do nothing for me says Yeshayahu. that doesn't do nothing for god the real message he wanted them to understand was is that you have to turn to god yourself don't come to me and pray that's why Yeshayahu didn't answer because that's not the answer and let's see what happens fayoshav rav shokei and let's focus now. Let's zero out for a minute and go on to what's happening on the other on the other screen, right? The, the screen zeroes out, uh, uh, you know, uh, comes out of this picture and focuses now for a moment on Rav Shakeh, who just gave this blasphemous speech. He goes back to Lachish, where Sancherev was still sitting there <coughs> because he um, had just been victorious over the, the Judean city of Lachish. Vayimsa et livna. And the king of Assyria wasn't even there. At the time, he was fighting a war against Livna. Kishama kinasa milachish, right? Because uh, uh, he had heard that he had traveled away from Lachish. And when he heard that Tirhaka, the king of Kush, which is generally understood to be a kingdom approximately where modern-day Sudan, possibly Ethiopia is, he has come to wage war against you. So he went back and he sent messengers to Chizkiyo as follows. Right? So in other words, the king is already changing his mind. He's already not focusing on Jerusalem. He's already focusing his attention somewhere else. Just like Yeshayahu had said. This was the message that came back. This is what you should say to Chizkiyo, the king of Judah. Don't let your God convince you. 
Asher Boteach, Asher Atar Boteach, that God that you have faith in. Lamar, saying as follows, Lotino, saying Yerushalayim, Yarmelech Ashur, that the city of Jerusalem won't be conquered by the king of Assyria. You have already heard and you know good and well. Right? That which the king of Assyria has done. This is the message that Rav Shakeh sent back to all of the lands to destroy them. And you think that you're going to be saved. You, you little dinky guy, you have your little city of Jerusalem. You think you're going to be saved. Right? Did the gods of the, all of those <coughs> other nations that my forefathers and my predecessors have destroyed, were they, did their god save them? At Gozen, at Choron, Beretzef, Uvneeden, Asher, Bitlasor, right? All of these other nations. Ayo, Melech Hamas, where's the king of Hamas? Umelech Arpod, Umelech Lair, Sefarvoyim, Heina, Ve'iva, with the kings of all these other places and other towns. Do you really, really think? That you're going to be saved if all of those are gone and all of their gods did nothing for them. So this is the message Chizkiyahu receives. And what did he do? What did Chizkiyahu do? Now, this is just poignantly, Chizkiyahu no longer turned to Yishayahu. He didn't go to Isaiah because Chizkiyahu understood the message of Isaiah. The message of Isaiah was that you, Chizkiyahu, have to lead the people. And have to do what God is looking for. And what is that? He took the Svarim, the books, the, the messages that he had received. You know, these messages that Rav Shakeh was were written out on, on the scroll of some sort. Miyad HaMalachim from the messages of Yikraim. And he read them. And based on now his, his and now with the his fear in his heart and humility in his heart. Vaya'al base Adonai. He didn't just come to the house of God. To the temple. He didn't just come like he did before, walking in as if he's the king and 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 God is is is, is, is and, and this is his temple, but rather he Ya'al, he went up to the house of God in a way of humility, realizing that God is above him. And laid those messages before God and said, Look, these messages are for you. These messages say that we're gonna be destroyed, and they compare you to those other gods. At this point, Chizkiyahu prayed before God and he said, God, the Lord of Israel, who resides among the cherubs. You are the only king. You are the only God. Right? You are different from all those other gods that look that he's comparing you to in these papers here. You are alone. Among all of the kingdoms of the earth. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Chizkiyahu is here by going to the foundations and the basis and the essence of monotheism. Those other nations, this one had this God, this one had that God. No, but you got our whole different ball game, so to speak. You got, you're in a, this is, this is, you can't say compare like he's trying to do. Why is your God any different than theirs? Well, you're a different God because you are God. You are the creator of heaven and earth. And then he says, God, turn your ear and listen. Open your eyes and see. Hear, absorb. Right? The words that Sancher of Asher Shalacho. Right? Um, 
and the person who he sent to blaspheme and say and and re- say bad things about the living God as opposed to all those other dead gods who are nothing. Omnam, in truth, Adunai Right? It is true, right, God, that the kings of Assyria destroyed all of those nations and their lands. These claims made here are true. And it's true that he did burn their gods in fires. <coughs> but why is that? Not because his God is more powerful than their God. They are just plain and simply not gods. They are just creations of human beings. They are made out of wood and stone. And that's why he would destroy them. And now, the Lord our God, please save us from his hands. So that all of the all of the kingdoms of the land will know that you, the Lord God, are alone, are the only one. And this key here is the Chizkiyo is is mentioning here, is say, stating here clearly another principle of, of, of the, not just monotheism, but the monotheism that is the fundamental purpose of the kingdom of Judah, which is that v'yedu kamam Not just that you should save us, but save us so that the entire world will gain this knowledge, this knowledge of the one God, which is the message that, that the people uh, of Judah are supposed to be transmitting to the entire world around them and to all the nations of the world around them. So this um, is the prayer of Chizkiyahu that Chizkiyahu said with humility before God. He asked only for the honor of God, not for the honor of himself. He asked that the people be saved. He didn't ask for himself to be saved. When one comes before God with a selfless prayer... (coughs) with the prayer that's being prayed for the honor of God and not for the honor of oneself, with the prayer that's offered in humility, we'll see whether or not God will answer this prayer in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the second half of this chapter and the rest of this book of the Kings together. Have a wonderful day.